Hi folks, Steve here. This episode is a bit different than most by design. Just go with it. It's designed to provoke a response and to make you think a bit. I hope you like it, or I hope it does what it's supposed to do. If you're intrigued, have a listen. The ship hovered in the rolling waves, rocking gently as the currents flowed around her hull. On deck, an exercise in organized chaos was underway as the crew prepared equipment for the day's work. Today, they would deploy drift nets, hundreds of feet long and designed to capture anything that comes their way, and a massive bottom trawl, a cone-shaped net hundreds of feet long, dragged along the bottom to capture whatever it came across. By anyone's measure, it's an effective and totally destructive capture mechanism. The crew swung the twin booms over the side, the drift net hanging from them in great billowing green clouds of nylon. Released, the floats carried it away, unfurling in the currents like a great gauzy curtain, the floats on top and the weights below keeping it in place. At the stern, the remainder of the deck crew made ready to deploy the bottom trawl. Lowering it overboard with a massive winch, they played out the cable and watched as the trawl dropped quickly, its mouth held open by the multi-ton doors on either side of its gaping maw. The captain engaged the engines and the ship shuddered to life. Far below, the trawl jerked, hesitated, and began to move. Digging deep, its five-meter-wide mouth plowed into the bottom and began to do what it was designed to do, consume everything in its path completely and utterly. Nothing was left undisturbed. Above, the drift net began to do its work. At first it caught nothing, but after a half hour or so, a large flock of Canada geese flew into it and became tangled, the later arriving birds slamming into their leaders. Their calls rang out, attracting others, and they too became hopelessly entangled, struggling against the netting until finally they succumbed. They hung there, motionless, like scraps of dark cloth. Other birds met similar fates up and down the net. Flights of mallard and teal slammed into it at high speed, snapping radius and ulna, disjointing wings at the shoulder as they struggled to escape. Hundreds of starlings, gulls, sparrows, crows, ravens, waxwings, and juncos became entrapped. Attracted by the distress calls, raptors flew excitedly toward their would-be prey, only to find themselves snared as well. Far below, the bottom trawl continued to do its job. Indiscriminate in the extreme, nothing in its path escaped. Of course, it captured turkeys, partridge, and pheasant, but it also swept up hundreds of cats, dogs, squirrels, possums, foxes, turtles, slow-moving livestock, tens of thousands of insects, frogs and fish from the ponds it blindly dredged, butterflies, alligators, and snakes. They passed through the mouth of the trawl and were slow-motion crushed in a screaming agony at the caught end of the net. Twitching feebly, they heaved, and they died. But the damage went much, much farther. Digging deep into the soil, the trawl destroyed rock formations, nesting sites, and countless juvenile creatures. It uprooted centuries-old trees, destroying nests and hives and hides and all the creatures living in them. It uprooted shrubs, grasses, cacti, succulents, lichens, mosses, and algae. It had no ability to discriminate, so it took everything leaving behind a lifeless wake as bare as the moon. Hours passed before crew members hauled in the drift net. The bodies of ducks and geese were tossed into boxes. The smaller birds were torn from the netting, their broken bodies thrown over the rail. The surviving eagles, goshawks, kestrels, and redtails, scared and violent, 
were clubbed on the head before being pulled from the netting and tossed away like so much garbage. At the stern, the trawl was hauled aboard. Compared to the drift net, it didn't yield much of value. A few dozen turkeys, ten or twelve pigeons, a handful of pheasants, everything else went over the side to fall back to earth, broken and dead. Far below, the damage was total. The scraper blade on a bulldozer could not have done a better or more random job of destroying the violated environment. Organisms, some of them hundreds of years old, were gone, destroyed as bycatch, and complex ecosystems of bacteria, fungi, lichen, bryophyte, moss, insects, and countless microorganisms, all involved in the complex dance called life, ceased to exist. Left in their place was a sterile wasteland that would take decades to recover, if not much, much longer, assuming it recovered at all. Turning into the wind, the vessel motored away, off to repeat the process the next day in another area. I hope this essay made you stop and think, if only briefly. Every year, drift nets and deep-water bottom trawls destroy millions of tons of life and scrape away the delicate structures on the bottom of the world's oceans. The damage is often unrecoverable. According to marine biologist Sylvia Earle, writing about the shrimp industry, for every bushel of shrimp that's pulled from the sea, more than a hundred bushels of bypatch are killed, including fish, seagrass, sponges, corals, and sea stars. According to the National Academy of Sciences, bottom trawls pull 19 million tons of fish and other marine life out of the ocean every year. That's the combined weight of 5 million Humvees. Now add the bycatch to that. The thing is, we don't hunt birds or other forms of terrestrial life the way I describe in this episode, destroying so much to harvest so little. So why do we allow it in the ocean? Even though marine life protection laws have gotten better, the indiscriminate incidental kill ratio is unacceptable. Just because we can't see it doesn't mean it doesn't matter. So enough. This has to stop. Okay, soapbox over. I will now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Thanks for listening, and thanks for thinking. I'm Steve Shepard, host of the Natural Curiosity Project.